It is Locked on Jazz for the 21st of June. Trade rumors, trade rumors, and trade rumors on draft week. We'll talk about the idea of Boyan Bogdanovich getting moved for a top 10 pick. Would someone want to do that or not? Who is coaching prospect Will Hardy, and what's his background? And we start NBA draft by the numbers this week. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. It is a rather mundane draft week for us this week as we do not have a pick as of right now, but we'll still cover the draft this week, give you some thoughts on it. I'm sure you'll stay tuned uh, to all that. Thanks very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We greatly appreciate it. We're available on all platforms, including YouTube, and please leave us a five-star review or a thumbs up or a comment or whatever it might be. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online has covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, let's start with one of the rumors that floated around the internet. Again, these I generally have over the years decided not to play this game, but on the other end, this has been such a prevalent thing with the Jazz. Um, that with the question of what we're doing with the roster, how we're building the team for next year, what we're doing, and then when you have two of the top 20 players in the NBA that are being talked about all the time in Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, then this happens. This one's different. This one was floated out there. It's the idea that the Jazz are talking to the Portland Trailblazers about trading Boyan Bogdanovich to the Blazers for the seventh pick of the NBA draft and Eric Bledsoe. Now, there, it's an, this is an interesting concept. If the Jazz can turn Boyan Bogdanovich, who has one year left in his deal, into a top 10 draft pick, that to me seems like it would be a hard one to walk away from. Now, I'm not sure it makes us better, though. And I'm not sure Portland would have to be fairly desperate to do it. But let's back up to like how you build a roster if you're the Utah Jazz. And if you're building a roster with the Jazz... There's three fundamental ways you can do it, right? Picks, trades, and free agency. Free agency is tough for us to get done as a franchise that doesn't all, you know, always have the appeal. And frankly, I, I think that's an overblown concept. I think there's maybe only four or five markets in all of the NBA that are able to really pull a free agent. After that, it's who has the most money, who's giving the best deal, who's offering the most for someone. And in that, in this case, we don't have a lot of money because we're up against a luxury tax, and then we don't, you know, we're not one of those six cities can pull. So free agency is a difficult one for us right now. Trades, that's a mechanism, and draft picks. And draft picks are hard for us right now because we traded a draft pick to get off the Derek Favors contract, and we traded a draft pick to get Mike Conley. So we don't have a lot of picks coming up. So what, what really is the situation for the Jazz right now to alter the roster is trades. And if you're going to try to alter the roster via trades, then what you really have is you cannot afford to allow players that are on your roster to have their contracts expire and get nothing for them. 
So getting Nikhil Alexander-Walker for Joe Ingles by the time his surgery, maybe a little less than you could have got a year earlier. It would have been hard to trade him a year earlier. There were definitely offers on the table, and the Jazz stayed away from it. But then when it was time, you couldn't do it. But there is a level that when the moment the Jazz sign a player, they're avail- they should really be available for trade because we don't have a lot of other mechanisms to build the roster. So just conceptually, if we're trying to rebuild the roster, rebuild the franchise, re- alter it, change it, doesn't have to be a rebuild, just has to be a redo maybe or reset, then if you can trade someone like Boyan and you can get a potential top 10 pick, that seems like that's a pretty amazing opportunity that has to at least be really digested. Now, on this end, if you're the Jazz on this one, I'm not sure there's a player in this draft who from what, the way I look at it, and I have not watched these drafts. I'm looking at numbers. I'm t- listening to NBA draft uh, locked on NBA big board. I'm not, I haven't analyzed these players. You better have a player you really like. Is A.J. Griffin, whose numbers we'll get into later in the show, are, are just fantastic. Is he that special? Because this draft seems to be Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paulo Bonchero, Jaden Ivey. That's about it on guys that you feel really, really comfortable with. So, you know, are you picking somebody at seven who you think is a bona fide go-to guy? Because if you're doing, if you lose Boyan and his clutch 19, 20 points a game and his outside shooting and his elite level play, you certainly don't get better. Now, the problem is a year down the road when Boyan becomes a free agent and are you going to be willing to re-sign Boyan? And if you're not, then you probably should be trying to use that piece to give you something down the road so that you can turn the roster over. That's that's what we're talking about here is that there just aren't that many mechanisms. Now, the trade would have to be, just because you can all do this on ESPN Trade Machine, Eric Bledsoe with that pick for Boyan Bogdanovich. Both Bledsoe and Boyan have a year left on the deal. Now, so you're getting Bledsoe, who probably at this stage of his career doesn't seem to be bringing a lot of value to teams. Maybe he has a revival for you in some capacity. He was at one point in his time before knee injuries and bad playoffs, a very good defensive player. Uh, But I don't, you know, the pick would be the thing. Why would Portland give up the seventh pick of this draft? And the only answer would be that Dame Lillard wants to win now that they have Yusuf Nurkic that they're going to sign in the offseason. They feel Anthony Simons has taken a jump. And that if they were to add Boyan Bogdanovich to this team with Yusuf Nurkic, with Anthony Simons, with Dame Lillard, probably with Nazar Little playing a little defense for them on the wing on a non-defensive team, that they're actually good enough to make a playoff run and that there's a real desire for this franchise to make you know, another playoff run. And and to serve Dame and keep Dame happy in that capacity. Is Boyan the player that they would really do this for? He's pretty special, right? You just don't get a lot of guys who can shoot the three at that level. You don't get a lot of guys who can score at that level. Um, He's not a good rebounder. He's not a particularly good passer. He's not a particularly good defensive player. He's an offensive juggernaut, and if Portland decides to go all in offensively, then maybe that would be the answer. So that rumor's out there. I don't know what I think of it in the sense of whether you actually pull it off, but that's the logic behind it for both sides. It actually seems to have, like, it's probably a discussion that both sides are worth having 
whether you actually get to the point where anyone's willing to go to the finish line on either of them, I think gets to be really difficult. Well, the Jazz coaching search continues. One of the most interesting names is an assistant coach for the Boston Celtics and is the most prominent person coming out of the Greg Popovich tree of coaches. Greg Popovich tree of coaches has been wildly successful. His name's Will Hardy. We'll tell you his backstory, who he is, and question whether he's ready to take over the Utah Jazz. That's all as we continue on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan, as well as in Linden. I'm currently driving one of the Sonatas. It's just a great car. Boy, if you're looking for a sedan, it is just got every bell, every whistle, every piece of pizzazz you can imagine at a reasonable price. The Elantra, which is the other sedan, was the North American car of the year last year. And then the SUV lineup is terrific. The small little Konas, the Zippy, the Santa Fe, which we've talked about before. We've purchased two of them. And the beautiful Palisade. It's all available at Murdoch Hyundai, located 4646 South State Street, also located in Linden. And in Logan, remember the Murdochs are not charging anyone more than MSRP, uh, despite the car shortages out there. As Blake says, we've been in the market for 80 years. We're going to be here for another 80. We're going to treat people the right way doing it. Today's show is also brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for all betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball. Bet Online is a continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting esports and scores and betonline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores podcasts and news this season betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events including mma bowling and golf excuse me boxing i don't know why we're betting golf. we're gonna go bet earl anthony and bowling uh, head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action bet online where the game starts yes earl anthony was like a 1970s reference right there that nobody understood all right who is will hardy in this coaching search for the utah jazz he's an interesting name because of the fact that he comes out of the the greg popovich tree there there's a huge issue that the jazz would have to get over if they're going to hire Will Hardy, and that is he has not been a head coach before other than Summer League, and he's really young. And those are the things that are going to be kind of the items that he has to overcome in this process. But he also might be – there's probably not anyone in the league who doesn't think he'll be a head coach at some point in time. And and, and as much as that – he has been interviewed for multiple jobs. He was interviewed for the King's job. He's been interviewed. So everyone in the league kind of assumes because he has the pop kind of seal of approval that he'll be a head coach at some point in time. The question is, is the time now for Will Hardy and the Utah Jazz? His backstory is interesting. He's never played in the NBA. He... Um, he went to Williams College, which is a small Division three school in, like, nowhere, Massachusetts. And he, as he's finishing up his career at this Division three school where they won two national championships, he is befriended this kind of 
old legend of the community who at one point was a Division Three athletic director, and he's been a good friend of he, this guy and his wife. They're they're older. They come to all their games. Or you know, if you can have a Division Three booster, that's probably what he would be the equivalent of without spending any money. But he's this guy who's always been around the game. He had coached at Williams at one point in time. He was kind of this legendary guy. And Will Hardy, while he was at Williams, befriended him and got to know him well and this and that and kind of saw him as a mentor and spent time with him. And at one point when he was wrapping up his senior year, he was, he was with this man and he says to him, I, I just don't want to stop basketball. I, I just I, I, I can't believe I'm not going to be involved in basketball anymore. And so the guy says to Will Hardy, like, what are you willing to do? He's like, I'm willing to do anything to stay in basketball. So the next day. This guy comes back, and they see each other, and he says, well, I just called a good friend of mine, Greg Popovich. And he says to call him, he's got a job for you as a video coordinator. And Will Hardy's looking at this guy like, wait, wait, you know Greg Popovich. Well, it turns out this guy was the athletic director at Pomona Pitzer College when Pop was around there, and Pop did some coaching there. And he just never mentioned it in all the time that, Will Hardy, that he had any relationship. So total surprise. So Will Hardy goes to San Antonio and takes the bottom of the barrel video coordinator jobs and and, and starts to work his way up and works his way up and he becomes a summer league coach. I've dealt with him, you know, three or four years as a summer league coach for the Spurs. And he becomes kind of Pop's trusted. Pop loves him, thinks he's fabulous, keeps promoting and promoting him. Um, When I, I think it was Budenholzer, he worked under Budenholzer for a while, specifically the way the Spurs have it. An assistant coach kind of has a video guy. That's what Zach Guthrie did for a long time for Bud. And then Will Hardy did it, I think, after Zach Guthrie. And and so he was Bud's guy. And then when Bud left and became the head coach of Atlanta, there was an opening, and Pop calls him and makes him assistant coach, and he works his way up. Well, one of the assistant coaches on that staff was Ame Udoka, and he became the minute he became the Boston Celtics head coach. He grabs Will Hardy and makes him the number one assistant for the Celtics. So here's this guy who's super young. I think he's 36, 30, maybe 34 years old right now. And he's working his way up and he's gotten the, the pop seal. And then Udoka takes him right away the first time he can and, and gives him the top assistant job. But you have to ask, like, does it matter? Does he need. He's never been a head coach. He's never been a G League head coach. But here are two incredibly good head coaches who have been with him. They both they both immediately kind of give him the thumbs up. Is that enough? What is it he really needs? Is he another, another year as a lead assistant? What are you waiting for? Or do you take this guy and say, it's clear he's going to be a great head coach in five years, and we're willing to give him a year? And what's interesting when you look at kind of back to where Danny Ainge was, the two times he he – hired head coaches is both of them got very very soft landings along the way so doc rivers comes out of orlando he's not a in any way shape or form is doc rivers a the man he is now he's not thought of as a a a particularly great coaching prospect and Ainge recognizes it but that also was a team whose roster was at a stage in which there, there was an area for doc to kind of learn how to coach um, or to regain his kind of coaching stripes, they had uh, they had fired uh, Jim O'Brien during the year before, and when he takes over, when Doc takes over that team in the o four o five team, they actually win forty five games that first year and lose in seven games to the Indiana Pacers in the playoffs. But it's a roster that had. 
Paul Pierce, Antonio, uh, Antoine Walker, Gary Payton is a veteran, Ricky Davis, and then they turn it over kind of out of that, keeping Paul Pierce as the main guy. And then with Brad Stevens takes over, it's even less, it's an even softer landing. That was just a, they had, they had made the trade, they had turned it over, and they let Doc go 25 and 57. Actually, they let Brad go 25 and 57 before he gets to 40 and 42 the next season. And so, you know, what is this roster? What is this team? Danny alludes to it in the conversation I did with him at utahjazz.com that one of the tricky things about this hire for the Jazz is what is our roster and what is our team? And so if you knew you were un- trading this thing, is maybe Will Hardy the right choice? Whereas if you're trying to win now, do you still think Will Hardy's the right choice? And that gets super complicated on all of these little coaches, all of these coaches as we look around and try to make these uh, choices is you got to understand where the franchise is heading. And I do, as I've said before, w- you can make all sorts of proclamations like we're not trading Donovan Mitchell. Oh, wait, wait, what? You're offering what? We're not, we're, we are trading Rudy Gobert. Oh, you're offering nothing. Like it takes two to tango on this. So there just cannot be a clear defined path of where this team is going. And that's, you know, that's going to be the, the question. So the Will Hardy question, undeniable to anyone you talk in the league, the guy will be a head coach undeniable that the two coaches he's worked with have both given him this seal of approval. No question he's bright enough. He's a super basketball mind, but he didn't play. He's never been a head coach. He hasn't been, he has not had that experience other than summer league. And are you willing to be the franchise at this point in time in which you just are so confident that this guy is so special that you're willing to go through what's got to be some growing pains because coaching in the NBA is awfully hard. So that's the question on Will Hardy. You can comment in the comment section if you want to on what you say about that. The last few years, we've done NBA draft by the numbers. In other words, I don't watch college basketball, so I'm not entirely sure what I'm talking about in any way, shape, or form, and I'm going to tell you to listen to me. But no, really what I'm saying is we're going to take a look at the numbers and, and what do the numbers tell us, and we break down the NBA draft prospects into athleticism, playmaking, shooting, and creating into four categories. And over the last few years, using these numbers and highlighting certain players, we've done surprisingly well considering that none of this is done watching a game at all. Athleticism is a combination of how you do in transition and how you do in isolation. Playmaking is what you do with the pick and roll, the ball in your hand, or as a roller. Shooting is exactly that, spot up, catch and shoot. And then creating is being able to create shots off the bounce. So those four categories, through the numbers, we'll look at some of the draft prospects. We'll do this each day this week um, as we and try to see if there's someone the Jazz should trade up to go get or trade in to go get. Is there some second round surprise out there somewhere? And I'll explain when we come back how we've done in years past on that as well as whether or not we've had where we've had our success and failures in the year past and what it means coming up for this year as well. Today's show is brought to you in part by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy game made easy on either your Google or your Apple app. Go to the Play Store or the Apple Store and download the app today, the Prize Picks app. You pick two to five players and over under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times the entry. It's just you and the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. 
It's easy. It can be done for the college basketball, college football, NBA when they're in season. Right now you can do it on soccer, you can do it on MMA, and you can do it on Major League Baseball. For a limited time, PrizePix has an exclusive no-brainer offer. For all our users, use $50 for free if a player in your first PrizePix entry scores a single point. You can use the code NBA. That's right, this exclusive offer available to fans only the Locked On fans sign up today and use the code NBA50 for free if a player in your first prize pick entry scores a single point. Download the app now on prize picks. Today's show also brought to you by Rock Auto. Why are you paying 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership that you can get at good old rockauto.com? For less. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Prices are reliably low for every customer. And they have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. So go explore the old school, easy to navigate website. They're not spending millions of dollars of marketing so they can up your thing. You'll see that's an old school vintage website there for you. And you can find whatever it is you need for your car. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available, whether you're a do-it-yourselfer or a professional, the prices are all the same. Please write Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us section. And again, that's Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us box that, so they know who sent you. It's rockauto.com. It's amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. The model here, by the way, Ultimate Mock Draft, is up and out and wants you to get a chance to grab it at the Ultimate Mock Draft feed. We do the 30 different or 50 different insiders, all the 30 locked on experts uh, making picks on their teams and giving you the ultimate mock draft, a five-part series to get you ready for the draft. It's actually how I'm like getting ready to know all the players and everything. It's been a great deal of fun to hear Raphael and Richard and the whole crew on that locked on NBA big board. Also doing a fabulous day. Raphael had his big board out yesterday uh, with some new news. They'll be taking you all the way up to the draft as well. All right. Um, So here's what I've done over the years. We've taken those, and just to give you an idea, so we take those four categories, and then we find players that we we like and players that we're concerned. So we loved, just in the 2019 draft, we loved Zion Williamson and John Morant. We didn't, and we liked Brandon Clark probably too much. Uh, We liked Cameron Johnson, and we liked Tyler Hero. So we kind of did all right in that little stretch right there. Guys we didn't like as much were Cam Reddish, and Jarrett Culver, which has turned out to be right. Kobe White, eh, we'll see. And why not? So Kobe White had a 41 percentile in transition rating and only a 52 percent in isolation, which meant you're concerned whether his athleticism would move across. He ran 127 pick and rolls, but again, he was only in the 50th percentile there. He was a great, great spot-up shooter, so that was exciting, but he was only 27th percentile off the dribble. And so despite the fact he had taken 116 off the dribble shots. That's why you worried a little bit on on Kobe White. In 2020, or like, let's go to Tyler Hero. Why did we like Tyler Hero at the time was draft? It was like 22nd. His athleticism didn't seem great, except the fact he was in the 98th percentile of success as a pick-and-roll ball handler. So you're like, all right, wait a sec. This guy's going to be able, uh, back backing up a second on Hero, he was in the 87th percentile of all athletes uh, in transition. So you're like, okay, there's an elite athlete. He's got the athleticism. He was in the 98th percentile on pick and roll as little as he did it, but it was still encouraging that he had that. Then when you got to a spot-up shooting, he was good. He wasn't great. He was in the 70th percentile in his spot-up shooting. 
Um, and then his off the bounce, though, was on the 82nd percentile, and he had 110 attempts, which is a huge number. So he really was kind of perfect across the board in ways. Cameron Johnson, who was a senior, is supposed to be older. A lot of people mocked Phoenix. He was in the 83rd percentile again in isolation, so it told you that, uh, excuse me, in transition, so it told you that athletically he was there. Not great on. The pick and roll, but 97th percentile in shooting, 66th percentile in spot up, 97% off screens. So he was another one that we we green lighted. In 2020, we, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, Devin Vassell. We'll see, time will tell. We loved Vassell because of his 94th percentile in transition. He wasn't great with the pick and roll, but 80th percentile as a spot up shooter, 87th percentile on catch and shoot. And then he wasn't great off the bounce. So maybe. Maybe in retrospect, a little bit too limited, but he had 81 off the bounce shots, or maybe he'll click in here. Uh, Kira Lewis Jr., who tore his ACL last year, uh, loved him. He'd run 194 pick and rolls. He was in this 80th percentile transition, showing elite athleticism and 86 in spot up shooting and 80th percentile off the bounce. Um, he's too small, maybe at 6'3. We'll see if he comes off. Sadiq Bay. Malik Flynn was a big miss. We loved Malik Flynn, but that was a big miss on our part. Loved Desmond Bain. Bain was in the 50th percentile in transition, but 97th percentile in isolation, 85th percentile in pick and roll, 90th percentile in spot up, and then 95th percentile in dribble uh, jumper off the bounce um, on 110 attempts. So that's the way we look at it. We look at those four categories. Uh, last year, uh, we green-lighted Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Davion Mitchell. We'll see whether that turns out to be right. Corey Kispert, we'll see if that turns out to be right. Io DeSumo out of Illinois, Trey Murphy and Durant, uh, Duarte out of Indiana. But he was so much older that we kind of got lukewarm on that one. Interesting thing on last year's draft, other than Moses Moody, we didn't actually have a lot of guys that we really were that worried about. Miles McBride, West Virginia, we weren't super high on, but not a lot of guys came out particularly badly. And last year was so weird because of COVID. So here's the early take on the top 10 picks of this year's draft. And tomorrow we'll look at the others, and then we'll we'll look at guys maybe the Jazz could go grab. Jabari Smith's number one pick, I'm a little concerned when I look at this. He's not an, He doesn't peak out on athleticism. He doesn't at playmaking. He is just a brilliant shooter. 94th percentile in spot up, 100% best catch and shoot unguarded guy in the league, and pretty good off the bounce. 105 off the bounce shots, 85th percentile. So Jabari Smith, who most people think will be number one, really just comes out as an elite shooter. But the lack of athleticism is a little surprising to me. Same thing with Paulo Bonchero, who carried Duke. 61 percent down transition, 59th in isolation on 139 isolation attempts. That's a ton, but not elite at a, on a collegiate level. He is, he is young. He was a freshman, but pick and roll again, just the 59th percentile. Spot up shooting, just the 43rd percentile. Um, his guy, if you listen to the NBA Big Board, both Leaf Tulene and Raphael Barlow have him as their number one guy. The numbers do not say that. I'm not going to quite put a red mark on. Him as a guy we don't like, but the numbers on Paulo are disconcerting. Chet Holmgren at his crazy 7-2, 210-pound frame, elite-level athleticism peaks out on that. Spot-up shooting is actually better than Bancaro's. Um, he only took 71 attempts to Bancaro's 139, better than Jay Nivey's, who took 98 spot-up shots. Uh, nowhere near, obviously, Jabari Smith. Uh, overall shooting for Holmgren is catch-and-shoot. Um, 
he actually is a little less than Banchero uh, overall, and his off-the-bounce shooting, he has almost none. So he is still very limited offensively, but the elite athleticism in that body frame um, is there. Jaden Ivey, who a lot of people think might go fourth, does come out in the 80th percentile for elite athleticism, 84th percentile on the pick-and-roll, pretty outstanding. Um, shooting is below average, nothing peaks out there. This draft has not been thought of as having, like, there aren't just a lot of guys that jumped out to me as, like, big, huge, green light guys. And, and the way I do this, I have a, the sheet, and I, I put a big green thing on guys I think are going to be golden. And, you know, we missed on Malachi Flynn. We've missed on some others, but we've generally been pretty good. There aren't a lot of guys here that make me want to just green them. Here's a guy I probably would put in the green. Keegan Murray out of Iowa, 6'8", 225. 97th percentile in transition. That's elite. 80th percentile in isolation. So this is a 6'8", 225 athlete that's peaking out. Pick and roll ball handling. He didn't do much of it. It was kind of limited. He actually did a little pick and roll, little man. But he's 85th percentile in spot up shooting. And then he's not bad off the bounce. He took 41 shots. So that's a little limited. Like it's just not quite enough there to get super, super excited about him when you look at this the way we have in some other guys over the years. Again, this is just off the numbers without them. A.J. Griffin out of Duke is the other one that's kind of caught my eye. In only 16 isolation attempts, he's in the 93rd percentile. Not an elite athlete, and I think that matches because of his injuries. But limited pick-and-roll ball handling, he was really good. Spot-up percentile, he's bona fide. He's almost as good a shooter as Jabari Smith. In fact, he is better on the catch-and-shoot as he is on spot-up. Um, and off the bounce shooting, he's the best off the bounce shooter this draft has right now in the 95th percentile on 64 attempts. AJ Griffin is the first guy in the top 10 that I'm seeing that kind of says to me like, and I, I guess there's an injury backstory. I asked our draft guys about it and what's going on with that. Um, and he's the first guy in the top 10 that really excites me. And then gets back to where we started the show. Like, is that if you believe in him at six six two twenty? Would you go make a trade to go get the seventh pick of the draft and take him there? One guy that I think's got my red light right now is Ty Ty Washington out of out of Kentucky, 6'3", 195, 33rd percentile in transition on 100 attempts. That really says he's not an elite elite athlete. That's a little disconcerting. His pick and roll stuff's in the 50th percentile. His spot ups in the 60th percentile. His overall catch and shoot stuff is in the fifth 50th percentile, and his off-the-bounce jumper, which he got off 111 times, and that's really important that he can at least create that, was not a lead either. So Ty Ty Washington is one that I'm a little skeptical of looking at the numbers. Go listen to more of this on NBA Big Board and get guys who actually like Leaf and Raphael and Richard and the guys who have actually broken it all down and really know who everyone is. That's just the numbers breakdown. We'll look at the next 20, 20 uh, probably 20 players tomorrow see if there's anyone in there and then i'll try to dig into the the bottom half of the second round see if there's someone you'd want to buy your way into for the second round that is locked on jazz today thanks very much for making us your first listen now go make locked on nba big board your second listen for the day have a great one